All right, welcome back. Power Pitches Season 3 once again. Game Week 8. Uh, just back to the OG team, me and Benji once again. And we already started talking about it before we even were paying attention to recording. So we'll go straight into uh, Luton Spurs. Spurs coming over tight win. I did predict the tight win. I did think Luton were going to hit a goal. Luton should have had a goal. The miss, uh, I think it was Adebayo. Uh, stinking. Absolutely. Yeah. I just had a Benji. I'm terrible at football and I would have got this across the line. Like It's <laughs> zipped so well. Um, but also Spurs missing City. I don't know if you've seen him or not. Richarlison, again, literally just needed any touch and it went over the bar. Then five, a couple minutes later, he had another one that was a one-on-one that the keeper think the keeper gets to, but it's probably like you expect him to score. And Pedro Porra came close as well. But a tighter game than expected, for sure. Um, yeah, so definitely. not having it quite as easy as we thought they would. Well, you know, we're coming into that game. Spurs are looking like the best team in the league right now. That's coming from a City fan, do you know what I mean? So um, we're expecting big things. Obviously, we know Luton are like kind of the kickabout team this this season, and they play. And I'm just thinking, what's going on? Like this is this is the Spurs that we 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 hold them to such high standards, and then within maybe half an hour, you look at it and you think, how are they not playing like they normally do? Like they, I, they felt like a different Spurs, I'm mm. not going to lie. I don't know what it was. I don't know if they put a different team out. Or the red card, just on the brink of half-time, really set something up for them. And um, I can definitely say, out of all the players to get a red card, you do not want it to be Basuma. He's so good mm. on the ball. and you like He controls the midfield. Obviously, Saar next to him is good, but we know how good Basuma is, how how good he was at Brighton. And now he plays for Spurs. He's still that quality player. But yeah, I was I was very surprised. What do you think of his two yellows? Um, I can't remember what his first one was, but the dive is a dive, in all fairness. Yeah. Uh, it is a yellow. You never see and that get given, I, though. It is see, weird. I, was, I, I said this one of the weeks on the pod where there's so many situations where you see... Um, Someone won't get a someone won't get a penalty. Or they won't get a free kick when they're down on the ground. You know, and you never really see that yellow get produced. Where obviously, if the player's down on the ground, but you're not giving a foul, like that has to mean it's a simulation. Do you know what I mean just yeah? By reason of logic, that means it is, but it's never really given. Um, is one of a few players this weekend to get two yellows as well. There's a few we can talk about. There's a few that there's definitely one player you'll know about that should have definitely had probably two reds in one game. Um, but yeah, interesting to see him actually apply the simulation yellow and then that also being a second yellow. But um, Luton just aren't, they're just not good enough, are they? They just aren't. No. It's horrible. Every week, every game we talk about them, we never managed to get that win against Everton, which still blows my mind how they ever managed that, really, considering the quality in their team. Um but yeah, I mean, if they just got that goal, literally, like Spurs, of course, also wasted lots of chances, and it's always if buts and babies, but they should have scored that goal, Luton. And if they'd come away with that for a one all one all draw, they'd been well happy with themselves. Well, yeah, that I think that's all you want with Luton. I think that mainly, surely, going into that game, you're not expecting a win. But the chat, the fact that they've missed that easy chance to try and make it one one, maybe take a game take a point from a team like Spurs. They really squandered it. Um, 
it kind of sets Spurs up really nice. Uh, of course, they are the only team that, well, not sorry, they're not the only team, but they're top of the league. Top of the league. And the, the matches they've got coming up next. Rivals. Yeah. The matches they've got coming up next, they're easier than they could be. Uh, Fulham, Palace, Chelsea, Wolves. They're not like it sets them up really nice. Mm. And yeah. Spurs can capitalise on this 100%. Yeah, you'd be expecting at least nine, if not 10 points minimum from those games. I mean, it wouldn't be surprised if we got 12 the way they're playing yeah. uh, with the opposition they're playing against. Um, and actually, we'll talk about one of the teams you just brought up in that because they had a surprisingly good game this game week. Um, and the opposite of what we've seen in the more season, and that is Chelsea uh, beating Burnley 4 1, a team that you love. I'm so upset, you know. And you know how Chelsea, you know how bad Chelsea are, and for Chelsea to look good and score four goals, it's not. Yeah, great the only for other Burnley, team is it? They've done that to is Luton, so it's really not painting a good light for Burnley right now. I love to defend them, like company man, my idol, my guy, my big-headed goat. Yeah, but <laughs> that stinks. Like four-one. I going into the going into the halftime break. It was one 0 to Burnley, right? Oh no, sorry, it was one one. And um, I was like, okay, this may be a close. I wasn't watching it. I have to admit, but maybe it was a close game. Um, don't know. And then I just check it randomly. I say Cole Palmer goal, and I'm thinking, what? <laughs> <laughs> this could be one of the worst game weeks of my podcasting career because. Burnley, the team I love, lose. Cole Palmer and Sterling score. I'm just like, <laughs> what can I say? All my all my things that I say have just gone wrong. But you, you cussed them yeah. out too much. You've jinxed <laughs> them into having the games of the season against them, literally. Mate, Sterling especially, unbelievable. Yeah. For, forced the own goal for the first, got the penalty for Palmer, and then scored a goal as well. Um, he basically set up Jackson's goal as well. I think he crossed it in... Um, Mudrick takes it and passes it to Jackson. So Sterling involved in everything for Chelsea. And actually, I remember when um, West Ham played Chelsea and Spencer was on and he was saying about how good Sterling was. And I think he scored in that game. Um, yeah. Kind of the only player in Chelsea's team that he thought was that ever looked like a serious threat. Um, I know you don't like him, but let's be real. He, do, he does get goals. And when he has his form, yeah. when he's in form, he's a dangerous player. And obviously, this sounds weird considering they just scored four goals, but Chelsea's attack is not good at the moment. And Sterling having the kind of game like that, where he just makes the difference, he just lights it up and feeds it into a few of these players like Sterling, like Madrid, like Jackson, uh, Sterling, like Madrid, like Jackson. Um, he could save Chelsea from having a really poor, poor season because it wasn't looking good before that. Um, they did have good underlying numbers, but they had been really struggling to get goals and. It's hard to tell because you really don't know with Chelsea now. You before this game week, you're thinking, well, I know before I get to so I think just like they're struggling so much from the goal. But after that, like you never know when they, you feel like they're going to click at any time, Chelsea, don't you? You never know what you, you never know what to expect before the game starts because you're like, this could be the game where all of those young players and Pochettino's tactics all kick in and all of, and they blitz someone. But that will happen at some point, and maybe this game gives them a bit of confidence to to move on and start scoring more goals. But yeah, I feel like Burnley and Luton aren't, well, I can't really say on hard teams to score against. You're not only manage one against Burnley, but 
they're definitely the teams you expect to beat when you've got a good team. Uh, yeah, I mean, I hope for Vic's sake that this is a good start for Chelsea because the amount of money and talent they've got in that team to only be beating Burnley and Luton and like the odd few awful teams, it's, it is tough. But the next few games that they have, let's just have a look now, obviously they've got Arsenal, which is going to be tough. But then they've got Brentford. Um, oh, I've just had a look. I, I, I'm trying to make a good um, good light out of this. But they've got Arsenal, Spurs, City, Newcastle, Brighton, United. Back to back to back to back. <laughs> so, yeah. they. Um, oh, who's this? Chelsea. Yeah. yeah. So they need a miracle to get points this out of that. But, you know, it, if they play like they did against Burnley, where... Obviously, Sterling plays like he does. And as, as much as I don't like the guy, he's a good player. But it's just on his day. He's like like a Pogba type. Do you know what I mean? Like On his day, he's yeah. unplayable. Like He can get through anyone. He can shoot. He has a good shot on him, dribble through, get penalties, stuff like that. Like, he's unplayable. But it's rare that he has those days. Not always that day. No. Yeah. But yeah, it's a good game. You know, all in all, obviously, I'm a bit upset. But before we actually move on, I forgot to do the predictions from last week, carrying on our points game. Yeah. Uh, with the oh, yeah. Spurs Luton one, no one predicted yeah, it, right? Got one, I'm guessing. But yeah, everyone yeah. got one. Um, and for this Chelsea game, uh, uh, I can't believe it. Vic and Spencer got points, uh, just one. And I predicted Burnley 2 0, thinker. <laughs> and you, you predicted 1-1 one, one. so yeah uh, Vic actually backing his team gets in some points this week so fair enough to him on that one but yeah it, I'm so upset that Burnley didn't win that because out of any of the games I really wanted them to beat Chelsea because then I can hold that <laughs> that seemed like the beatable one that's <laughs> yeah. the winnable one isn't it really because as well. they, yeah. they've already lost to United so I can't hold that over you but if they beat Chelsea you can hold that over Vic so but yeah, unlucky, unlucky for me, and obviously for the Burnley fans out there, I do sympathise with you because, yeah, bad game, bad game for in the boys. In all fairness, though, your defence of Burnley always has been as well. They have only played like the, a lot of the biggest and best teams, which, in all fairness, is is still ringing true. I know I like to wind you up about them, but that is true. They still have only played like I think I know they beat Luton, but apart from that, they've kind of needed teams that you'd expect to finish in the top half almost definitely um or have spent lots of money so it's not it's not unsavable for Burnley they can you know especially get when they start to play some of the because they're gonna that means the the run they've had of games it means at some point they're gonna have a very nice run of games where they're playing against a lot more people near their level and I think that's when you'll know if they're going down or not it's after yeah. the, after they have that run do you know what I mean where they're playing um, Bournemouth and Forest, uh, Palace, Fulham. When they played Everton. a few of them teams, Everton, yeah. When when they played them games, then you'll know. But yeah. right now, yeah, it doesn't look great for Burnley. But they're not bottom of the Premier League. Um, no, of course not. The bottom yeah, of the Premier League is it's not as close as I thought it was. Well, let's, um, let's roll straight into a team near the bottom of the Premier League. I'm not sure if they are 20th or 19th, but uh, Bournemouth. Losing 3 0 to Everton. Yes. Bournemouth and Sheffield United, the only two teams still not to have got a win in the Prem. 
for some reason, I'd never thought about Bournemouth in the relegation chat. I don't know why in my mind it, they were just never there because they weren't that bad in the last season. No. But they're having a thinking start. They're having a terrible start to the season. And if they don't, like Everton have started getting, they've had at least a couple of wins at least. Luton have even had a win. Like Bournemouth need to start getting some points on the board because they're actually going to get themselves in a bit of trouble if they continue like this. Yeah, no, that was very, it was quite a surprising game to me that. Um, we kind of go into this game thinking that they're kind of level. Like Bournemouth and Everton are kind of like on the same level. You expect it to be a tight game, but it definitely didn't play out like that. Um, it just seemed to be a team that can actually convert their attacks and their chances and a team that can't. Mm. Like we we say this about all the teams in the lower half of the league, that they need to convert their chances. And it seemed like Everton actually did, which is a good sign definitely for them because you know how if you if you listen to the last few episodes of this podcast we maybe three episodes ago we were saying they're going to be in trouble for uh, relegation but the last few games they've been playing quite well um they beat Luton they beat yeah, they Bournemouth beat Villa, beat Villa, Villa yeah they beat Brentford that was, a, that was a weird one oh yeah, yeah they, sorry they sorry beat Brentford and, Bre- and beat Villa in the cup and then lost yeah. to Luton you're thinking what's going on and now they're beating Bournemouth um yeah, Everton did do well taking the chances. Uh, that one from Harrison as well, outside the box. Yeah. Far and in, always lovely. Um, and they could have probably had more. They probably could have had five or six. I think Cavalier came, I think he might have hit the post or keeper just about saved it. Um, whereas Bournemouth, I can't even remember more than one chance, I don't think. No. And that really doesn't... I mean, yeah, when Luton go there and get a result, even if it looks like a freak result compared to Everton's other games in the same period... Bournemouth forgot to do better, and yeah, now I'm I'm completely rethinking all of my relegation predictions and thinking, oh damn, it actually could be Bournemouth. <laughs> the way they're playing right now, I think there's an over reliance on Solanke still when he's not he's not all that Solanke. He's not terrible, but he's not. A, I don't think in my mind he's not like a Premier League striker, and they're relying mm. to create and score the goals, which is probably more than you could really is really fair to expect from him. Um, yeah, man, not looking good for Bournemouth at all. What were our predictions for that game? Because I've got a horrible feeling I predicted nil-nil. Uh, for that game, I predicted nil-nil. Uh, you and Spencer predicted one-one, and Vic predicted one-nil Bournemouth. So no one got Ooh, any points no for that points. game. Yeah, that, yeah I don't think that's everyone. happened before, has it? No one on this I podcast getting any I think it's because it was it was fresh off the it was fresh off the Luton game, wasn't it? And everyone's like, yeah. "Fucking hell! If you can lose to Luton, <laughs> you can lose yeah. to anyone." Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not even wrong there. Well, yeah, that that is a it's a weird game that one because obviously we came into it thinking, as it well from our predictions, we came into it thinking it'd be way different. But that's what the Premier League does to you. That's what top flight English football is. It's not like you know certain teams in the Spanish league a Bellingham scoring every game but you know we're a Premier League podcast in, in fairness actually I was listening to um, Football Daily the other day and they were saying I think Joe Thompson was doing like, um, agree or disagree on people's opinions of their biggest problems in their club and the Everton one was, uh, was saying Sean Dyche get rid of him and he was saying about actually a lot of Everton's underlying numbers have been really good. And I, yeah. I'm a bit so-so about underlying numbers because it's the same as like Chelsea who were doing so well in XG and stuff. doesn't actually necessarily translate in-game. In but it does mean that there is definitely an argument for if your underlying numbers are good, when your luck changes, you'll start to do better. 
and maybe now now Everton have at least picked up a few wins. I mean, they're still definitely going to have some horrible results. Yeah. They'll probably get 5 6 nil at some point this season by, by a City or an Arsenal or a Liverpool. Wouldn't surprise me at all. But they have started picking up some results. They have started scoring some goals. Calvert-Lewin's back looking good. Um, they might be all right. There is a there is a big crop of bad teams in the Premier League at the moment. And I think that could be what saves Everton in the long run, really, because there's at least six teams that could get relegated on paper, like because of just their squad alone. Um, but yeah, let's see what happens with Everton. I'm less sure they're going to get relegated than I was before. Yeah, like, a little bit. Flip-flop after it, depending on the result <laughs> that week. It's easy yeah, to, it's, oh, are, it's oh, so are. reactionary, but that's what it's about. That's what podcasts are about. We'll come back to this episode or like maybe first episode at the end of the season. And like Spurs have won the league and we're thinking, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck's up from there? Yeah. <laughs> I manage that. Kane's left and everyone's won a trophy. That'd be unbelievable. <laughs> I would laugh a lot. No, that'd be jokes. Um, there's two, to be fair, let's talk about, there's two games we don't want to get into too much about other relegation teams. Yeah. Fulham 3-1 Sheffield United. Great result for Fulham. Yeah, they scored five goals in the league before that. So scoring three goals in one, not great for Sheffield United. And I think they're also, yeah, with Bournemouth, the only other team to not win a game. Relegations looking pretty likely early doors. Yeah. that's. I don't even think that's a reactionary statement as well. Because Sheffield United are known for being one of those teams that bounces between Championship and Premier League. And... Mm. Yeah, it, it seems like it's same thing, same story, different year. Just bouncing up and down. Yeah. They they might actually get like a shock result. Maybe they'll beat an Arsenal or they'll beat a City in the league and we're thinking, oh, wow, maybe they do deserve Could to stay. But, yeah, <laughs> that's not really a shock, yeah. you know what I mean? But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, still winless in the Premier League after eight games is tough. That is tough. Yeah. And it's not like they picked up loads of draws, isn't it? Isn't it one or two draws? One draw, yeah. yeah. One draw is That's, it's tough. One point eight games is almost relegation guaranteed. I bet if you these people who look back and have all the stats from teams that had a certain amount of points after a certain amount of games at the start have ninety percent. I bet you would look at it. if you saw one point after eight games, it's probably a ninety-seven percent chance they get relegated. Yeah. Um, and and I mean Fulham. To be fair, they obviously get the win. But I think similarly to Everton, Fulham might just get lucky that there's this crop of bad teams in the Prem and that mm. they're really not good Fulham, but there is a few worse teams than them as long as they beat them throughout the season. They should stay up. Uh, and we'll just roll straight into Palace Forest as well. Another two teams. Palace, to be fair, I never thought were relegation battlers. I always feel like Palace will always just finish 12th, 13th, 14th. And yeah, same, same thing again every season. Yeah. Yeah, they're you know, Palace are just a mid table team, Roy Hodgson doing his bits. Um, probably both be happy with a point. Sam Johnston was fucking good for Palace again, to be fair. He was good against United. Wait, sorry, sorry to cut you off. We've got to do the reactions to the game, oh, the you predictions. Re- I've got it perfect for both of these games. On. For both of no the way. games, mate. Damn it. Oh, I am. Benji. I told you, and I take it serious. 3-1 no Fulham. 3-1 Fulham. And 0-0. Hey. Damn. 
Oh, I knew I knew the most right, ball what, on this podcast. What did I get? What did I get? So, you <laughs> um, said 2 0 Fulham, and Vic and Spencer said 1 0 Fulham. So, we all got a point, but I got three. Everyone got a point. I can't believe Fair I late. predicted 3 1. Oh, I'm going to have and to listen to that. Dallas Forest. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I predicted 0 0. Spencer predicted 1 0 Palace. Vic predicted 1 0 Forest. And you predicted 1 1. So there you go. Oh, take got a yourself a cheeky I'll point. A point. That's not terrible. But yeah, that sorry to cut you off yeah. there. That that's just a <laughs> madness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, what we're saying is yeah, Sam Johnston was class again for Palace. And yeah. He's been really good so far. And he, I think he's he's good enough to keep them in these games against these midland teams. I think against the bigger teams where they're conceding loads and loads of chance every game, they probably will concede and lose. But He's been really good so far. And actually, in all fairness to Palace, they've got quite a big injury list as well. Everyone's talking yeah. about United and Chelsea having a bad injury list, but Palace have also been and I think they're missing five first-team players, including Eze and Elise. Who that are literally... Like the boys, the I mean, players. they're the two in Palace. Yeah, that if you, when you see them, you go, oh, fuck, here we go. They can make something happen from nothing. So Palace fans probably won't be too unhappy. They're not doing particularly bad. They're not doing amazing. And they still have a lot of players to come back. So that's we we can just wrap those two games up nice and yeah. tight, and you can pick the next game, Benji. You got a well, few good choices as well. Ooh. Yeah, there are a few good choices. I think I want to move to um, actually the game that I wanted to watch the most outside of my team, uh, Brighton Liverpool. I yeah. when I seen this game, I thought, oh, what a game! Because we normally, if you think about any other season, you think Brighton Liverpool, you think, oh, it's Liverpool easy win. But the way Brighton are playing this season, you just you expect something from them. And I wasn't disappointed. I'm not going to lie, I wasn't disappointed. 2-2 yeah. um, at home to Liverpool, where Mo Salah got two goals in the first half. You think, could Mo Salah have one of his games that he always does every now and again? But Lewis Dunk managed to get a goal in the 78th minute and uh, keep it yeah, to 2-2. Goals goals. I know it's weird. I reckon he might be a centre back with the most own goals in the Premier League history. Because I remember there was a couple of seasons, mate, where he got about six or seven. He, oh. loves, to, he loves to put the ball in the back of the net at both ends. Um, it, it was a good game. I actually did watch. I yeah. watched all the first half and I watched a bit of the second half. Um, it was interesting, actually, because I thought before the game they were kind of equally matched. But I thought Liverpool would probably be a bit better. But actually, in the game, they're really even. And they're quite similar in in their strengths and their weaknesses. They both have a really good front line and like really good attacking players and decent midfields. But the back line can give up good chances. Like yeah. Both Brighton and Liverpool this season have been given up good, good chances. Um, I think Liverpool has hit like 14 shots a game or something. It's mad, like, yeah. Are, it's yeah, so weird to, to well. think Allison, about. They are lucky Alisson is so good. That is a thing. Yeah. I've not really been picking up on this season, but as I've kind of noticed now from watching so many of the games, which is some of the highlights, that every game, he's a bit like the hair used to be for United, where every game he's making one or two just unbelievable saves and just keeping them mm. kind of papering over the cracks a little bit of their defence because Van Dyke isn't as good as he was years ago. He's still very good, probably still one of the best centre-backs in the Prem, but he's not at his full strength. Um, but I think for Brighton especially... They need. I think if Brighton obviously want to push up, then they they want to get to that next echelon of English football. They want to put themselves in that top six talk every year, be that team, be competing in Europe. But if they want to do that, 
they need to I think they need to strengthen their defence a little bit. I don't Definitely. know if it's maybe I mean losing Kaiseido and McAllister to be fair, Jesus Christ, like two unbelievable midfielders who are an unbelievable pair to lose them is always going to be a little bit disjointed. And when you think about that as well, you think Brighton, you could if Brighton was if it wasn't going well for them, you could say they're in transition because of losing them two players. Like other teams would be in transition after losing their main midfielders, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so they're still doing really well. But yeah, I think for both teams, amazing, amazing attack that's so exciting to watch, so good. Like this game was really good to watch. It was constantly end to end, loads of things happening. Teams kind of taking turns and dominating. I think Brighton for the first like 15, 20 minutes was all them. Then it went Liverpool's way before half time. And it was they were kind of just going at each other. So it was really good. But that's not really what wins you big competitions. I think a yeah. lot of managers and players in the past have been quoted this. It's your defence that wins you, you know, it's your attack wins you games, isn't it? Defence wins you titles. I think there's the old adage. Um, so I think for both teams, if they can lock down that defence either this year in January or for next season, then they will be unbelievable again. Well, yeah, you think back to Liverpool's like best seasons and they had the best defence in every position, the best right back in the world, the best centre back and the best left back and the best goalkeeper. Now, I feel like they only mm. really have the best goalkeeper. Uh, obviously, we know Van Dijk, after his ACL injury, has taken a fall a little bit. He's still, obviously, an amazing centre-back. Like, you can't take away his strength, speed, mm. and, like, defensive ability. He has that. But, of course, the ACL is going to damage you a little bit. But, I guess, uh, Van Dijk, it's just challenged him a lot. Um, Trent, I don't know what's happened to him. It's like... As soon as he has that from last season where he didn't get an assist for like was it twenty games, something stupid. He didn't get an assist for so long. Did he even play? Is he even is he even back from injury yet? Yeah, he played. For a while. I'm not, he played I'm in this game. That's, that's I didn't even notice him and I actually watched a lot of the game. Admittedly, I wasn't hundred percent concentrated, I had things going on, but I actually didn't even notice him in the game that much. So yeah, Jesus. That's what yeah, I mean. It's, not himself. it's very odd to think about the player that everyone was saying the best right back of all time. And he's now just kind of there. Uh, hopefully, obviously, he's just come back from injury, so it's tough to say. But hopefully he can come back to what he's known for, whipping the balls in straight away and just finding Nunes' feet. Um, I'll still, just, just on an off-topic here, I still forever laugh. Where they signed Nunes, Trent tweeted, how can I assist you? And he didn't assist him all season. I just find that hilarious. I just think, like, you, you, when you do tweets and stuff like that, you've got to back it up. And it is yeah. peak when it never comes through. Uh, Joel Matip, obviously, he's been around a long time now. Um, I feel like every mm. everyone knows how good Matip was. But now, I wouldn't even put him close to as where he used to be because he's so good, like... Mm. When you can, when you think of a pairing, Matip and Van Dijk is a good pairing. Like they complement each other well. But this game, especially, I don't know, yeah, it's, it's odd. Matip's injuries are definitely quite odd, isn't he? Even yeah. even when he was at his highest powers, he was just injured all the time, properly made a glass, which is not really something you want to see for your defenders as well, because they're the ones who are getting them to just centre backs. So I mean, are the ones who are going to throw in big challenges and get and can potentially get injured from their own actions. So. Yeah, I think that is showing a little bit. Um, but I think, to be fair, if Liverpool signed 
a centre back and maybe a CDM in January, they and they're still in competitions. They could they could definitely have a late push because yeah, as you said so many times, their attack is so good, but they just need to shore up that back line because it will lose them games against bigger teams. I mean Brighton, I think Brighton might have had a late on chance as well. They probably could have won the game, and I think Alison then was the one who saved them. So yeah, it's kind of a attack and Allison saving Liverpool at the moment, isn't it, really? The Sabozlai and McAllister and that are all being good, especially Sabozlai. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's very good. And Allison, They're just keeping well, yeah. at the moment. Well, you see, the first goal was actually from McAllister's mistake, getting caught out, and it was just an empty goal, which obviously you can't say anything about Allison there. Allison can't save you there if he's nowhere near the goal, um, which is kind yeah. of peak, but that is where a CDM comes in and just controls the game. Like, with a CDM in that game, I reckon they just win it straight out, no problem. Which is, yeah. it is crazy to think that they don't have a CDM. And this team were on for a quadruple a few seasons ago. Like, it's, it is mad to think about. I mean, they might, but well, who is Fabinho, that out there? It? Yeah, Fabinho was, like, up there was the as guy the best, yeah. Yeah. But who is out there now to sign as a CDM? You'd have to get a kid in and you have to get a talent, like a young talent in. There's no seasoned CDMs out there. Like I think the only one was Casemiro. Because Kimmich is never gonna leave Bayern. He's Bayern through and through. Um yeah. you think about the Barcelona ones like Pedri, Camavinga, they're never gonna leave their teams. Uh well, you know, they might, but not for the money that Liverpool can offer. Well, so do you know what? They, if anything, they probably, to be honest, they probably should have gone out and tried to get Chiumeni this summer because he, wanted, yeah. he didn't play at Real Madrid as much as he wanted last year. But I think this year he's playing loads more. So I don't think, yeah, like you're saying, he's probably not on the cards anymore because he's starting to play a lot more for Real Madrid. And Real Madrid just one of them clubs in it. Like you don't really ever want to leave once you're there, I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, that is true. And it will be interesting to see. If when they get CDM, whether it's in January or it's in the summer, who it will be and and how much of an impact it will have on their team? Because how old is Mo Salah now? Because he's got he's got to be ticking on he's, a little bit. He's getting up there. He's, he's in his last few seasons in top flight. I think he'll be off to Saudi soon. I thought he would have gone this yeah, season, you yeah. know, but he didn't. Um, they did offer crazy money, didn't they? Didn't they offer like 175 million or something like that? Reporting, like, yeah, nuts. That is they wild. wanted to make him number one. Um, because Mahrez is number two right now behind Ronaldo, and that's because obviously he's from Saudi, he's um, Algerian. So obviously bringing in Salah, Egyptian Muslim, to the Saudi league, they're yeah. gonna pay money to him. But um, yeah, big time. Just just quickly on the CDM thing, it's just come to my mind. Why don't they just try and sign Calvin Phillips? Like we will not mind if they want to pay maybe thirty, forty million for him. He's just dead weight to us at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like he'd work all right there. He's a he's an out and out CDM. He's not a box to box, he's not an attacking player, he's a defensive midfielder and that's what they need. So you never know, maybe they mm-hmm. they go out for him in, in January because he's not starting for us. Literally That's not as, a bad chance, fair. As I was saying though, um Calvin Phillips, we brought him in to play when Rodri's injured or suspended. Rodri is currently suspended and he's not playing. So, you know, there's got to be a reason for that. And the reason's got to be he's not good enough. 
Well, let's we could let's talk about City next, but let's do our predictions as well for this game. See if any of us predicted a draw. Yes. Um, for this we'll game, because I do want to talk about Rodri's filler at the moment. Oh yeah, no one, no one predicted a draw for this. The closest one. Oh, sorry, sorry, I'm lying. I predicted a draw. I predicted oh, a draw. <laughs> I predicted one-one though, um, which is a shame Oof. because you, realistically, I should have kind of foresaw a two-two. Um, Vic predicted three-two to Liverpool. Spence predicted 2-0 to Liverpool, and you predicted 2-1 to Liverpool. So ah, you silly bastard, me. Everyone in I'm Liverpool's favour. Maybe it's just a part yeah, of me that just hates Liverpool. I just, I just don't want to see them win. I can't, I can't <laughs> see them. Can't so. I know, especially not against Brighton, man. But yeah, um, another point for me. I'm running away with it this week. Boys hasn't got a chance. No, you are doing pretty well. Of course I am. All right, we're still in touch and distance. We're still in touch and distance. <laughs> but yeah, so let's move on to the biggest game of the weekend, the biggest upset for you. Arsenal managing their 1 0 win at the uh, Emirates. I mean, we, before we even said that game, what a fucking terrible game. It was so It was boring. the worst like game I, of football. Like, oh, so even as a supporter, it wasn't entertaining. It was so boring. The two teams cancelled each other out so hard. I think there was like three shots on target in the whole game, which is just. Mate, Shambles, in in the first half, such good in the first half, one shot on target was a header from Govardio, which was headed off the line in the fourth minute. So for mm. four, so for forty minutes, yeah, man, there was one shot on no. target. It was it was ridiculous. It was the most boring game of football I've ever watched. And obviously, City coming into it, we had a few injuries and suspensions and stuff, but we should have won that. Like obviously we know Arsenal, as I said last week, they are a City B team. They do what we do but worse. But this game they seem to do it better. Which is 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 you gotta give it to well, Arteta. I, I don't know, I wouldn't even say if you did it better. I think you you were both equally bad. Yeah, Rice done really well to clear off that shot from Guardiola from the line. Um Aki the, the goal the itself that Arsenal get. Yeah, the, but the goal that Arsenal get as well is quite lucky. Like Aki actually had a good game, and then Martinelli shoots, and I think hits him in the Edison's face. Definitely going the Edison's definitely going the right way for the first shot. Whether he saves it or not is obviously impossible yeah. to know. But then the, the deflection is just so unlucky that, he, and you know, he's not be able to get across to that. Um, so, and I think and make Al, um, Alvarez catching out Ray as well. That could have easily put you ahead. That was close, didn't it? That hit the side net. In. So I thought it, it went was a in. Very eagle game. Oh man! Yeah, it I was. Um, honestly, watching that game, it's just when I see City play like that. Because obviously, I watch City every game. Every game we play, I watch it, and I think some some games you'll have a bad game. It is what it is. But when it's a game of this like importance, you have to play with your heart. It felt like we didn't, and obviously Pep put out the team I wanted. But as they were playing, I was like, this is not what I need. This is not what we need. Um, I feel like maybe I got it wrong in my mind, saying that we needed this team, because as soon as Jeremy Doku came on in around the 60th minute, he lit up Ben White. He didn't. Ben White didn't go anywhere near him, because Doku just has pace and he takes players on. Yeah, that, uh, that chance late on, didn't he? As yeah. Well, He's so he's yeah, so electric. Last kick of the game. And Martinelli is when when I seen that Martinelli was on the bench, I was happy because I know what type of player he is. 
Uh, he likes to let it off. He dribbles. He loves doing all that. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough to say because the defense throughout the whole game, Edison had a good game. Our whole defense was solid. Guardiola seems unreal, and he played right back or left back, which is just madness. Um, Kovacic, I don't know how he didn't get sent off. I don't know what was in his head to think that he can two foot someone twice, studs up and get away with it. So he thinks, oh, let me do it again. Like, come on, man. I just think there's something wrong with him. He should have got a red for the first tackle. And then the second tackle is a yellow, which he didn't get. So he got so lucky for that. I'm glad he got subbed off. But at the same time, he was good besides the obviously tackles. He was a good player that game. I was literally going to say, in this game, like it, the, the, all the rest of the game was so equal. And I think if you replayed that game 10 times over, it would be such an equal split between wins and draws, like a win each way or a draw or whatever. Um, but the only certainty in that game is a coverage that should have been sent off. Like yeah. the first tackle could have been a red. And I think even the second tackle that he somehow doesn't get a yellow for, that could have been a red. Like I think on other days, that's actually a red. I think... To be honest, I think the I think the refs are terrified at the moment. I think they're so scared of being a, a news headline because they've been it every week so far. I think they're terrified of and throughout the weekend as well. You see, I think three other players the weekend got two yellows and got sent off, and somehow Kovacic doesn't get sent off when he has two, one almost stone wall red cards and another definite yellow, almost potentially a red if the refs in a bad mood. Day, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, absolutely mental. I've literally, I couldn't believe it. I'd heard about it, hadn't seen that. I only watched the end of the game, um, so I had to do stuff on Sunday, and then, um, and yeah, and I heard people saying about it. I saw the tackles and I went, "What are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you doing that for? Like, what, what is, what's going for you? No. Like, yeah, and how he gets away the second one, the first one, I thought, okay, now, yeah, you are really lucky to only get a yellow there. That is." Almost, like, if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd have been screaming for a red after that first tackle. And then, yeah, what is it, like 30 seconds? Not even that. Literally. Just bang, straight again. <laughs> yeah. I said, what, what have you just shot up in between this break? Because that was lunacy. Yeah, what are you doing? And yeah, how, how he's not been sent off is unbelievable, to be honest. And it's another another one we can add to the list of stinking VAR. Well, I know it wasn't VAR, but stinking ref decisions this season because... Jesus Christ. I don't think I've ever seen yeah. someone deserve a red for two tackles more in my life. Like they were poor, poor. But I think both were like from behind, which could be a red anyway, and they were two feet and they were studs up. And you're like, fucking hell, like if it had actually gone a little bit wrong, he could have broken someone's ankle. Like it well, was, yeah. they were bad challenges. Yeah, bad. definitely. Uh, I don't know. That whole game to me is just wasn't what I was expecting at all. Um, just one thing on Pep. Obviously, I love Pep with everything. He's give City everything I've ever asked for. But some of the stuff he does is so questionable. He starts a team that I want, but he didn't play as I think he would have. Uh, Rico Lewis, incredible player. He's naturally a right back. But obviously, because we've got Kyle Walker, he has to play this converted CDM role. This game, for some reason, he was playing attacking midfielder and he put Bernardo Silva at defensive midfielder. And I'm just thinking in my head, why would you do that? Bernardo is so known. He got us our two goals against Real Madrid in the Champions League. He's a goal scorer. He takes players on. He puts him in CDM up against, like, 
Declan Rice, Odegaard. Obviously, Odegaard actually did get locked up, which is fair enough. But I don't know why you'd put David... Uh, sorry, not David Silva. Uh, Bernardo Silva there. It, it is mad to me. Um, but Pep, obviously, he had something in mind. Because Pep and Arteta, obviously, they learned from each other. Arteta's taken Pep's play style to Arsenal. And he's done that perfectly. I'm just looking at the stats here. I've never seen a City game so balanced. 50% possession to, sorry, 51% to 49% possession. 520 passes to 500 passes. Both of the teams have got 86% pass accuracy. And both of the teams got two shots on target. Like, it's the exact same team yeah. playing against each other. It could have gone either. Yeah, it's so even. Yeah, they completely cancelled each other out. It was just the exact same for both teams, really. Um, although, actually, funny enough, before we even move on, I want to talk about the uh, after-game antics. Yes, um, yes. Rico Lewis doing a big the badge touch, which, in all fairness, I do kind of appreciate. I do think that's quite funny, like your little shitbag. That is a real wind-up, but like, fair enough, I get that. Carl Walker, what are you doing, mate? Why, yeah. Why are you getting Larry? I, I, I don't... Coach. I, he must have said something, because... But you know. Yeah, Kyle Walker keeps his head a lot of the time. He only loses, but when he loses his head, he goes like that. Like he's a calm player. He's a captain, obviously for City. He can't lash out at little things. So he must have said something. Uh, I just can't imagine what it is. Like, and the fact that Harlan got involved as well, he must have been bricking it. Could you imagine Kyle Walker and Harlan coming up to you? And he looked like a little guy as well. Like he must have been bricking it. But yeah. I seen it. I didn't even see it live. As soon as the game finished, I left because I didn't want to watch anymore. I didn't want to watch any of the interviews of Pep saying, "Oh, they were so amazing today." But yeah, mad. It still hasn't come out, has it, of what actually happened? So I, think, I really, um, I'm really I curious. Think, I think City are nailed on to probably still win the Prem and maybe win some competitions this year. But these little flashes of of madness in people's in players is that a little bit of a concern of you because obviously Rodri's still I think his back is his ban over now yeah his ban's over now moment, because of his moment of madness in a game that he really didn't need any didn't need to have an argument in and then Walker off the game I mean I'd be said about um because Reese James has got a ban hasn't he because I think yeah I think it was that ref that had a guy down the tunnel yes, but these yes. post-game antics can can get you bans and I mean you know if if they if the FA or whatever has seen reason to to ban him like I think if that I think if the the fitness coach had pushed for it, he probably could have got him banned for that for like giving him a push and getting right in his face and getting there and stuff like for unsporting like conduct or whatever. Um, and yeah, I think it's I I guess because it's just so irregular for City to lose. I think we've said before, so the first time they've lost two league games since 2018, almost five years. I think it was in November 2018. Um, just not used to losing maybe. Yet. No, you don't. You don't want to see these little flare-ups. No, I think you know what with that um, five-year record as well. Last season, it would have been a four-year record. All the other teams have obviously lost two in a row, like consistently. About it, no one said, no one mentioned anything in the game before the game about a four-year record when we lost a game. This year, we lose a game, and then it's all over my TikTok, my Twitter. They say it in the game. It's like they were foreshadowing a loss. And obviously we lost. And just quickly before we move on and we look at the predictions, um, it is maybe I was wrong at the beginning of the season. 
I will put my hand up. I said that without Kevin De Bruyne, we'll be fine because Foden will play there. And this game, Foden did not play there. Foden played on the wing and we looked slow, no creativity. Haaland touched the ball about three times. Um, Rodri's obviously gone, which makes us worse. But De Bruyne would have run that game. Uh, you can just you tell when someone's on the ball. I say it. I watch the games with my dad all the time, and I say to my dad, if the Kev's there, he just finds Haaland. Haaland's always running. I don't know if you watch many clips of Haaland, and obviously stats don't do him justice because he has three touches and he'll maybe get two goals, and you think, oh, that just happens. It's because De Bruyne is going over seven players and he's tapping it in the in the back of the net. Without De Bruyne, no one in the team can do that. Uh, especially not Alvarez, who's an out-and-out striker playing the De Bruyne role. But yeah, that's that's all I can say on that game. Um, hopefully, we look better now Rodri's back. But yeah, predictions. Um, one person got a point, and it was Spencer. And I said that's to him... I said to him in the group chat, he put his prediction into the group chat last week because it was just me and Ed on the pod. Uh, I said to him, that's a stinker result. And he said, ha ha ha, just winding you up. Oi, that's winding me up proper. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how can you predict that? Like no one, I don't know, even though the teams are so equal, you would never predict an Arsenal win. But Spencer did and he got the point. I predicted three now. Ed predicted a draw, you predicted a draw, which is fair enough. And Vic predicted 2-1, so yeah, I was way off. You weren't too far off. It could have actually been a draw if Martinelli didn't get a bit lucky. Mm. And Vic was miles off. But yeah, that's a, that's a stinker week for us. But next week, easy peasy, Brighton stinkers. We'll smoke Brighton next week. <laughs> but yeah, we'll move on. To the next game, we talked about my team, so yeah. talk about your team. Let's talk about my team. Um, Scott McTominay is the say, greatest CDM in the league, <sighs> mate. He's not. This is the biggest problem. With Scott McTominay is he's not a CDM. He's not even a centre mid. He's like a he's like a centre forward striker, really. Because he the is things built he's good like at is 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 heading the ball down, and he's good like in the he finds space in the box. So he actually does. He has quite a good shot on him. Like I've seen him score from outside the box, and like in in the in the box, he's remember against Leeds years ago, we beat him six two, and he got the brace in like five six minutes, and one's a ping from outside the box, and next one he gets the ball and does like a little step over into the box, like so well and just bangs it, like that is the thing with Scott McTominay. I, I'm a bit of a dislike of Scott McTominay. I think we should have sold him this summer, West Ham for thirty million. Like I would have taken that a hundred percent, but obviously he's he's come up clutch for us in this game. Um, but it's weird with United, mate, because like I think I'm normally quite good at looking at United and see it and being able to go, this is the problem, this is the problem, this is the problem. But like, it's just I don't know. It's just creating good chances. That's actually our problem at the moment. Like the team is definitely hit by injuries. We're definitely lopsided. We're definitely having to fill in. Like, we had to play Lindelof at left back. Madness. Um, I mean, McGuire and Evans at the back, which is very shift back line. Do you know what I mean? Um, like that's not good. And I was very nervous after I saw that starting lineup as well. I thought, fucking Jesus, you don't win Premier League games with this back line. Um, and I do think that 
when you like Rashford's been struggling loads this season, but he's not apart from Regulon, he's not really had a left back playing with him. Like him and Luke Shaw have a really good chemistry. They played together for years now. So I think when Luke Shaw's there, he really helps Rashford because he makes that overlapping run, which creates space for him to either pass it or do his little chop and shoot. Um, but yeah, Rashford wasn't amazing again. He did look the most dangerous player, but wasn't amazing. Um, Hoyland looked good again, to be fair. I'm still quite excited by him. Didn't get a goal or anything in this game, but he is fast. He is strong and he does have a turn in him as well. He's not just a brute. He is good on the ball. He has, he has done well to turn people and get beyond people quite well. So he does excite me. Um, but yeah, then it ends up being McTominay getting the two goals late on and with a Maguire assist as well. So I think he's on same amount of assists as Mudrick, 2023 Premier League. Madness. <laughs> Madness. Classic. Him and Jenny Evans both from one uh, so far this <laughs> season. Um, and actually, to be fair, I said about Maguire then, I'll give him, I'll give him some props to this game. He wasn't, he wasn't terrible. I mean, I'm not going to pretend he was outstanding. And yeah. I still think if Iran and Martinez are fit, he's nowhere near the starting lineup. But Fair play, didn't didn't have a bad game at all, did reasonably well. The goal, how did they score the goal now? I can't remember. Look, I think it was the two goals we scored. I can't remember what their goal was, but Brentford were poor, mate. And I think I said this Mm. in my prediction. I'm annoyingly, I think I said 3-2 for my prediction because I thought our back line is so bad that we concede two. Um, But Brentford, yeah, again, were really not great. Uh, and, And they got their goal. And they'd, they were making a few chances here and there, or like half chance, at least going in the attack before they got the goal. Like as soon as they got their goal, it was 10 men behind the ball the whole game. And like, I thought it was going to work. I actually, especially at the 89th minute when they're still winning 1 0, you're thinking, fuck's sake, like they just put their backs to the wall and just stopped us from having any good, good chances and, and saved every shot or blocked every shot we put in. And obviously a tired team, you put a six foot four Scotsman on and he manages to get a brace and both in Fergie time. Um gets us kind of lucky, but I just don't know if United like I just you don't know you don't know what to expect. Cause some like weirdly, these last few games, like we didn't we had so much of the ball. I've never really seen United have this much of the ball. I think even the game I think even when we lost to Palace, I think we had like seventy eight percent possession or something like that. I think in this oh, game wow. we had like seventy something again. Like that's that's like City Arsenal levels of possession. That's never been, you know, yeah. even, even against bad teams, we've done well to get more than like 60% possession. But like that's not been common for us at all. And I think it's weird because on the one hand, you're like, oh, sweet. Well, we, you think we, we got the ball more so we could try to play more. And we are kind of, but we always leak a goal. And we're not amazing at creating chances against a, like a low block. Um but yeah, what what we'll see from United, you never know. I think I think our next few games is I think we've got Sheffield United first thing after the international break, which I think should be a definite win. I think Chelsea might be the next one after that, and which I think will also beat Chelsea depending on how bad they play. Nah, because I think you're after I think you're after them. No, the no, it's um. So you're is back, it? then you got Sheffield, then you got Copenhagen, Copenhagen. and then you got us. Yeah. 29th of October. Big day. Big, I might try and go to that one actually and get um, some live Watch draw, reactions. Draw to, draw to Sheffield United, beat Copenhagen, uh, lose to Copenhagen, and then beat you. That'd be that'd be classic, <laughs> you know, wouldn't it? It actually would. It actually I wouldn't be surprised would, yeah. at all if that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Mate. Um, but yeah, honestly, with United, <clears throat> we definitely need injuries back, and I'm praying that. I'm praying that someone is going to be back fit after this international break. I mean. Regular to be really good, so we don't have to have a makeshift left back. 
I'd love to see Wan Bissaka back because even though I like Dallow, he's not really been great, and Wan Bissaka's been really good for, since in 2023, basically since since after the World Cup last year, he came back into teams been really good. Um, but yeah, I think until United have their team back, it's really hard to to understand the problems because it is missing a lot of good players and um, especially that back line because. I've got to say, actually, Onana on that. Oh, I do remember the goal now. Onana had another stinker, mate. Yes, got, I remember. Down, it's yes. right below him. It's right below him, and he gets a hand to it, but it's just too weak. And it's like, I know, even I think in your comments, I said it is that keepers don't like to get right down next to him, but still, like, he's got to be making these saves. Like, it wasn't that hard a save to make. And if he'd done that, and you know, and the game had just kept on as the way it would, as as it had been going. You know, I probably would have just won one nil or two nil anyway. Mm-hmm. Like they were the slightly better team because Brentford weren't doing that great. But I don't know with Onana, mate. De Gea struggled when he first came in. United's goalkeeping position is a position that makes no sense because we've signed players in the past, like um, Bartes years ago, who's meant to be one of the best keepers in the world. Comes to United, he's terrible. Like, yeah, De Gea really struggled at first and then became good. Like, because of Schmeichel, Van der Sar, and probably now De Gea as well, the expectation of United goalkeepers to be so amazing. And it's just a big shirt to fill. It's a bit like the number seven shirt. We've kind of had a bit of a number seven shirt curse over the years. You've had, like, um, Di Maria and stuff playing there. Sanchez take it. Not really do much since Ronaldo and since Beckham had it. Um, and the goalkeeper starts a bit similar where you could put a good player in the United goal and then very quickly become a not very good player. Um, but I've just got to hope that when the defence is back and, and then you've got a defence that are better at playing with the ball and better at defending so we concede less shots, then you'll see Onana start to grow and develop in the team and start to become useful. Because in, in all fairness, there's one point in the game, after he concedes a stinker, he zips his ball down to Bruno and it is absolutely pinpoint, like beyond the, about halfway between the halfway line and their box. And it's just unlucky that Bruno gets it and not Rashford. Because if Rashford gets it, he'd be fast enough to get away from the defence. Bruno didn't quite have the pace to get away from the defenders. So, and I was saying, I was even, I was talking to my brother-in-law, and I said that the annoying thing is, if that had gone to Rashford, then he scores, and you go, well, well yeah, Nana's had the stinker in goal, but he's got an assist, so it balances out. Yeah, didn't didn't happen from there. And you think that maybe when the team's back in, especially someone like Martinez, who's so crucial for us playing out the back because he's just so composed on the ball. Um, that maybe Onana then starts to look like the keeper we bought from in uh, the keeper that was playing the Champions League final last year. Um, but yeah, his woes continue and it's just so hard because if you spoke to me directly after the game, I would have been like, this bike is fucking shit. Never let him play tonight again. Get that Turkish lad we signed in, go instead, that buy and dear. But now, as soon as I calm down a bit more about results, I, I, feel a bit, I feel a bit more for him and I understand that it is a high pressure position to be in. And once things start going wrong, they can keep going wrong quite easily. But if he doesn't want United fans to hate him, he's going to have to start pulling out some saves. Because in the Champions League, we've lost both games almost directly due to his mistakes. We've lo- we've dropped a lot of points in the Prem because of problems from him. And and especially the way United are as well. We When we concede a goal the heads drop so easily. We're so bad at coming back from a goal down. And when you've got a keeper that makes mistakes and puts you a goal down quite often, it's a really bad combination. Um, so, yeah, what we're going to see from United for the rest of the season just still remains a mystery to me. I just cannot predict it game to game. 
you just never know. Well, look at it as midfield. Um, this is probably the midfield that you want to start your games. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. Casemiro, Amrabat, Fernandez, Mount, Rashford, Hoyland. That's a good midfield and attack. Um, I actually yeah. like that. But your defence with injuries and stuff is really weak. I didn't realise that mm-hmm. you had only two left-backs and the only other choice was Lindelof. Nah. Uh, that we is have three left-backs. We have three. Who we else? Luke Shaw's, he's their first choice. Malasia, mm-hmm. who we signed last year, he's been out yeah. since last season. And because them two are both injured, we signed Regalon, and he's injured as well. So we've got three left-backs all out injured. Like, that is... Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I've seen people calling for 10 out, and I just think, mate... The problems going on around this club, like even off the pitch of Anthony Sancho and Maguire this season, that's a that's a big problem that will make keep managers struggle anyway. And then you've got a massive injury list, and you're losing three players in the exact same position or two players in the same position. Like it's so impossible to actually get something out of a team when that when that happens. I mean, like City are amazing. You've taken Rodri out of that team because of a red card. You've struggled in two games. Like that's how easy it is to drop off from amazing to poo because of losing players, we've lost our whole back line. Literally, our, our best back line, not a single player in that back line is fit. Like, that does make a big difference. And I think I like that midfield as well. I don't like Bruno out wide at all. I think mm. I would always rather a winger out there. He's just not quick enough to be out there. And I think he's so much better when he's in the middle. That's where he's the most dangerous. If anything, I'd rather Mount was out wide because he's really good at crossing the ball. And he's uh, played out wide for Chelsea before. I do remember. Yeah, exactly. So Th- there's I'm not sure. There. Yeah, and Anthony's back. Anthony is back now. Um, I'm not sure what's going on with his court case, but I'm assuming by the fact that United are backed him to come back into the team, he did get subbed on as well. That it must be looking quite good for him. It, they're obviously not thinking anything's going to stick, or I don't think they'd be so confident in bringing him back. Um, so him coming back on the right wing could make a big difference as well. Um, see if he can start to link up with Hoyland as well. Um, he did put a cross in this game as well. It wasn't bad. I think it went to the back stick, Anthony, when he came on. So we'll see. It literally just so, there's so many. I, I said this, I think in about game week three or four, I said that it's so annoying with United because less than half the stories you read about are anything to do with football. It's always everything else that's going on all the time. It's other injuries, controversies, whatever. And because of all the other noise, it's just impossible to ever predict what's going to happen at United next. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's so difficult. And the fan base, like, must just be a bit emotionally numb to it now. Like, win or lose, and just like, right, let's go again next week. Let's see what happens in the Champions League when we lose to a shit team. Like, it's just all over the shop. No, I've never seen anything like this from a massive club like United. Like, how can you have Greenwood, Sancho, uh, Anthony Maguire all getting into outside of football problems like it's it is madness Mad. you never see it yeah. you never ever see it Mad. like obviously there is an odd one or two in like these massive clubs that have these scandals but I mean to have four you. yeah and he's trying to sue us well you, you know what <laughs> speaking, speaking on something like that Greenwood has just scored for Getafe hasn't he Getafe yeah yeah he scored so mate Greenwood Greenwood was going to be playing for United this season. That's what Murtagh wanted. And it was all it was all leaking that he was going to play for United again. And then they saw the fucking backlash and went... Ah, that is that is mad. Let's send him out on loan. Like, as like, good as a player he is, 
as good as a player he is, you cannot let him ever play in England again. Like send mate, him to I Dubai think, or something. Mate, he gets if he gets over ten goals for Katapi this season, he's back at United next year playing. Bet. Probably. Bet. It's gonna be and so bad if, though. He'll he'll go back and then it'll be and the Glazers will just look at social media for the reaction. And I, it wouldn't this wouldn't surprise me at all, yeah. But the next three seasons he just gets loaned out again and again and again until it gets mm-hmm. to that point, you know, time heals all all injuries or all wounds, whatever. There'll be a point where he'll come back and the kickback won't be so bad and they'll just go, Let's have him then. Let's have him back in the team. Would not surprise me one bit. But let's let's not talk keep talking about United too much. Christ. Mate, my brain when I leave my head. <laughs> but let's do the predictions. Because I yes. think I'll back my team here. And I think I've got some points at least. You did. I think I did. I'm pretty sure that you were half and half on about backing your own team. So, I was. Yeah. Uh, I predicted 2-1 Brentford, which is unlucky. I should get half a point for that, but, you know, it's fine. Uh, but, yeah, you are right. You're the only one that got a point. You predicted 3-2. Uh, and the other lads predicted draws. So, yeah. Stinkers for them. Not too far off, but 3-2 for United was never going to happen. Um was either going to be three one. Yeah, but my or... reasoning, my reasoning was fair. Was that our defence is shocking, so we always didn't see goals. But I was like, I'm going to back the team. I'm going to back Hoyland to back goals. <laughs> it wasn't even Hoyland in. There was no top. I man. know. Yeah, Tom, Tom, Tom. For the wrong player, for the wrong big blonde man. <laughs> um, so we got the last two games. We have got two draws to choose from. Also, I haven't even thought about this yet. Sunday was a day for draws, wasn't it? Brighton Madness. two all West Ham, West Ham Newcastle were going to now two all and the one after do is Wolves one one with Villa a lot just drawing all over the shop. Um, we'll do West Ham Newcastle and we'll end in a game that no one really minds that much about. Spencer will obviously be very happy. I think yeah, he predicted two two on the nail as well. Um, great goal from Kudus. Um, poor from Nick Pope for the Suchek goal. I don't really know what I. I couldn't even really tell what he's done. Like, he kind of looked like he'd run out to catch it, but then I don't know if he's maybe outside the box by the time it gets to him. And obviously, it's just an easy tap in for Suchek in the end. Um, Trippier, we were saying about how good he was last week. There's a reel up on Instagram. I was talking about Trippier for England. Yes. Uh, puts a great ball into the box, which gets knocked down for Isaac's first goal. And then the assist on the volley for Isaac's second goal is he's sublime. Them two combination is just so dangerous. Like, it, admittedly, I took him, I took Isaac out of my uh, fantasy team for Alvarez, and it's been a stinker. It's been a stinker, but I'm sticking with my boy. Three weeks ago, <laughs> Mate, it's so bad. But um, yeah, Isaac, what a player! He started off the season strong, and he kind of he quieted down a little bit, but a little bit, now yeah. he's look, yeah, he's looking good now, and obviously he's got Champions Mate. League going on as well. Isaac should have had a hat trick. Do you have you seen his miss where he takes it round the keeper? He takes it, does the keeper. No, no, I haven't seen that. It's after it's after he's had his second goal. It's not even long after yeah. the second. Yeah, and he um takes it around the keeper, but it goes like to the left away from the goal, and he shoots, and I think it might be Moreno maybe manages. Like, I think he's gonna hit the post anyway, but yeah, slides in, so he doesn't even get it. Like, no way. It's an open net. Yeah, man. And then and then uh... Kudos ends up getting the getting the equaliser after that as well. So Isaac could have had himself a hat-trick, but yeah, a little bit of a stinker. Um, and we can talk about another player in this game who's very lucky to not get a red card in Bruno Guimaraes, mate. 
uh, yeah. had a yellow card, put in a bad challenge, very similar to Kovacic. It, it was really similar to Kovacic's challenge. If you look at the two of them, they're really... Yeah, definitely. Like, he's coming from behind him and comes across in... Um, even could, you know, some refs might have even given a red on a bad day, like if they weren't happy about it. Um, but yeah, weird choices in the refs again. We've had, so we had three people get two yellows, get sent off, could have had two more easily, but there doesn't seem to be consistency through these games. Uh, we've said it every pod that the ref and the Prem is so questionable and is not consistent. And you've seen it across these games of who's getting two yellows and who's not. Because, yeah, Gimarez and Kovacic, in my mind, both should have been off for a second yellow. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of them weeks where a lot of bad decisions. Um, we see it, everyone, they always compare, like, say, what happened a few weeks ago to this week. And it seems to be the rest just decide on their mood. Week by week, it's different. Last week, the Kovacic tackles are red. This week, it's a yellow. Next week, it's not even a card. I don't know what's going on with these refs. Like the Gimaras and Kovacic tackle were literally the same. I seen it on Twitter. Um, Mate, the Kovacic oh, tackle this week was a yellow and wasn't a card. It was the same tackle twice. Li- literally, literally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they just they must do it off their mood or something. Like say they have an argument and a misses at home, and they come into their match and they're like, oh, you know what? I'm not giving them a red. Make the make these mm. these Arsenal fans cry. But no. D- especially in the age of social media as well. Like, you've got to get it perfect. And I feel like there's so much pressure to get it perfect. Like, the most simple decisions just don't get chosen. Like, you, you any any normal person, you don't have to be a football expert, you don't have to be a referee, you don't have to do all of this. You see it and you know that's a yellow. You know it's a foul. You know it's either a red. And it's, yeah, it is mad. And the fact VAR can't intervene in yellows I think it will change. Yeah, soon. I think that's weird. I mean, especially when it's a second yellow is when I yeah. really think that they should be able to intervene. Yeah, because um, it is a red if you think about it that way. Like, it does yeah, need to work. A second exactly. yellow is a red. It should really intervene. But, um, yeah, I think that is one thing that they should change is definitely intervene on a second yellow. I don't see why not. Mm. But, you know, that's yeah. just my, that's just my um, look on it. This this sounds stupid because we complain about VAR for the decision to make anyway, but kind of part of me thinks that they should actually have more involvement in the game sometimes. Like, something like a corner, yeah? It can be really innocuous who gets a corner, and it can be really hard for the on-field refs to see who takes, you know, when it can, it can bottle off a couple of players or whatever. But, like, it's so easy for VAR to go, no, that's a goal kick, not a corner. You know, because if a team scores from a corner they shouldn't have had, then it's a, that's a big piss take. I mean, and then, would they then... Do you know what I mean? If they could watch a replay, would that... Con- Say the ball goes out off of the one to the attacking team's player, but then they score from the corner that they get they shouldn't have had. Would VAR then look back at that and go, that's actually not a foul, but that's a mistake in the build-up, which then means that that shouldn't be a goal? Because reality is, I mean, if it was your team that conceded a goal from a corner that, they shouldn't have, that the other team shouldn't have had, you'd be pretty annoyed, wouldn't you? Um, and maybe the VAR should step in a little bit more for stuff like that. And, even, and for giving out yellows, like we said, that... Um, Basuma got his yellow for diving. I mean, if they think it's a simulation, maybe they are step in and just go, like, say they give a, give a free kick and they're like, oh, actually, no, he hasn't touched him in any way. But I don't, it almost feels like, you don't want to give more power to VAR because they make so many bad decisions anyway. But some 
clear decisions could be made by them that don't have any yes or no to them like they are blatant um but yeah is what it is with refs at the moment in the Premier and we just end up talking about them every week in almost every game um, yeah, so let's is, do our predictions from that game. Let's keep the yes, Let's do our predictions for that, that game. Spencer got three, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Spencer, I think he did put it in the group chat, didn't he? He was bragging about it. Yeah. But um, Vic predicted 1 1. So I wasn't far off with Ooh, that. Point as well. And me and you predicted three. Three goals for the two. And you predicted 3 1, I predicted 3 0. So yeah, it was way different than what we were expecting. But it's. It looks good, I think, for West Ham, because obviously my reasoning for that was they just battered PSG, so mm. their, their morals are high, and then you go and draw to Newcastle, like, I mean, go and draw to West Ham, you just think it's so mad how you can beat a team like PSG, and then, yeah, but... I think maybe I think maybe that had a knock on effect. I think maybe yeah, they probably put everything into that game, like they would have done everything, and they're probably more tired than they would be, and... Sometimes it can be easy to get over overexcited, isn't it? After a big win like that, um, you can actually have a bad result after getting a big result like that. So it's, yeah, definitely, it's not the end of the world. But yeah, like you said, mate, West Ham doing really well. Spencer, I'm surprised he's not been gagging to get on there every week even more because West Ham are having a great season, mate. They're actually having a seriously good season. I know. The last thing anyone expected. But when we saw them beat Chelsea three-one as well, I think that was their first like big result. We were like, oh, that's nice for them, but we didn't, none of us expected it to last. And they just carried on, didn't they? I think they beat Brighton 3 1 as well like, <laughs> next week. And they just well, kept getting results, mate, against big teams. It's mad because as soon as they get rid or they have their departure of number 41, we're thinking <laughs> team's not the same and they're losing their best player. And literally, I don't know what it is, but they seem better than last year. Like they seem oh, really mate, good. Majorly. Really, like, they almost good. got relegated last year, didn't they? Yeah, finished like 16th, maybe 15th. Like, they were poor last year. Like, they um, won the conference league, but also got nearly got relegated. And, and now they're looking good. They could get they're looking like Europa League spots, maybe. So, hopefully, they, yeah. they keep up this, um, you know, for, for Spencer's sake as well. Hopefully, they keep up this form and we can see a happy Spencer at the end of the, <laughs> the season this year. But yeah, yeah so we will. Always, um, always good to see a dark horse. <laughs> we will move on to the final game, uh, game week eight, which was Wolves Villa, one one. Um, mm-hmm. Weird, weird. It was because... a, it was a good one one. There was a yes. lot of good chances. Yeah, it was it was quite it was a lot better than I thought it would be. Um, when you think of a draw, you think oh it's just a boring game where a few games, but te- the teams were good, and Wolves mm. don't know what's happened. But they're looking way better than they were at the beginning of the season. Pedro. Yeah, he, he, he is unreal. I, I said yeah, this man. maybe He's two weeks ago. He should definitely move teams. <laughs> um, obviously, <laughs> West, uh, not West Ham, sorry, Wolves. Wolves. Cover your ears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate to say this to you, but he's way too good for your club. Like, we saw this with Jota. Uh, Jota used to run it down Bang. for Wolves. And yeah. then, obviously, he got his big move to Liverpool. Before he got injured, he was starting over Firmino, uh, who's been there for what, however long. And he was starting every game over him. Then Nunes, was he from Wolves, just come to City and he looked good. He slotted in well. 
like wolves have these talents and as soon as they lose one the other one shines and it seems to be what's happening right now with uh pedro neto and juan ki chan we can't just overlook him and that as i say yeah that, that, that career, career guy, guy. <laughs> very decent Mate, i think that goal i think that goal is either leveled or taken him into his best goal scoring season ever in the league eight games into the season because I think he's on four goals or five goals to think that levels his best ever league tally which is mad yeah. especially considering that all year all season all we've been saying is Wolves can't score goals yeah, and, and they need a star and Wangi Chan all of a sudden have just been doing damage and fair play to them mate they'll be happy they'll be loving life because them two know now they're the first names on the team sheet 100% like they are just mm. on cushy no one else in this team creates or scores we're sweet we're solid over here no, it's it's very impressive um, to see what they've done in the last few weeks. Them two especially. Um, I really do wish, though, that Adama Traore still played for them because he has a soft spot in my, like... Mate, I love watching Even Adama good. Traore. Him and Seth no, he was the same players. Mate, he's on the ball, terrible in the That's what I mean. It's terrible just, at shooting, yeah. terrible at passing. It just <laughs> looked amazing because they would just skin, like, six people but then just kick it to absolutely nowhere, like... Nah, not not a fan in my book of either of them players, to be honest. <laughs> no, um, but um, Pedro Neto, what a player. And Huang Yichan, good duo. But the Villa goal, a bit jammy, I think. I don't know. I thought it was just a bit... It's kind of like a standard one. It's a good cross. Yeah. Good cross from Watkins, mate. I was going to say, not a fan of uh, Adama Torre, but I am a fan of Ollie Watkins. I actually think he's a really good player. He's a really mm. good striker and... He, he gets the assist for Paul Torres for that goal. Obviously, Paul Torres be happy. His first goal in the Prem um, makes obviously all the difference. Gets him a point in the game. They did have a lot of chances, but it was a tough game for him. But then Ollie Watkins gets that assist, and mate, he almost scored with the last touch. And if you've seen it, literally last touch of the game, he gets crossed in. He heads it. Yeah, I've seen post, that. So unlucky. And, that, and then he blows it up, and I was like, oh, that is savage, mate. Ollie Watkins is, is a brilliant player, mate. And to be honest, him. I said about Evan Ferguson getting a big move in the summer. I mean, he's obviously got that hat-trick a few weeks ago, but he's not been quite as on it since. I don't know if he's even scored since that hat-trick, to be honest. Might have won. Um, Ollie Watkins is another player, mate, that I think could be on for a big money move. United United uh, are getting really close to their foreign players limit. And even though I love Hoyland, I think he's really good. I still think we should have another striker because you... Yeah, and definitely having a senior striker and a younger striker because even if Hoyland's good this season, I don't think it's fair to be expected to play every game, especially especially if we were like last season, we're playing a game of like three days for months on end. You need another player, and mate, I I would spend seventy million on Ollie Watkins. He's well, I think he's class. Yeah, he's prem proven as well. Like he's not mm-hmm. he's not just a mid table striker. He is better than that. He is better than a mid table mm-hmm. team. Um, there was thoughts of me that I don't know where I've got this from, but I thought he was close to going to Chelsea last season. I don't know why. I don't know where I've heard this. Chelsea should have, mate. In fact, yeah. I, I thought I've, I've always said I thought all year that they should have Chelsea should have put the money up and signed Osman. But fuck me, mate. Yeah, why didn't they buy Ollie Watkins, mate? He would have been a <laughs> yeah. lot cheaper than Osman and a good, definite striker. I mean, Jackson obviously did score against Burnley this week, but he has been struggling, mate. Mm. And yeah, and Ollie Watkins in there. You still have Jackson as well, you know, to be the sub on to. To be the younger striker who learns is learns how to do it in the prem, but mate, yeah, if they had Ollie Watkins because they Chelsea have been creating chances as well, mate. He would have he would have been banging goals for them as well, hundred percent this year. 
it's actually weird. I don't even know what I haven't even thought about. I love Ollie Watkins. I put him straight on my fantasy team. I think he's class. And yeah, why didn't Chelsea or, or even United look at him like, for the 70 million we signed Holland? I'm not unhappy we signed Holland. I am happy that we signed him. I think he's a good player and I think he will be good in the future. But we could have signed Watkins for that same money, 100%. Aston Villa would have taken that money, I think. Um, and he probably would have been better for the short term, really. Well, it's been yeah, quality for a long weird. time. It's been quality for a mm-hmm. long time as well. Who was he back up to? He was back up to a striker. I can't remember for the life of Danny Ings. It was yes, 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 when he was really good. And uh, Ollie Watkins came up and I used to watch the games. Yes, and I thought he's the better out of the two. And we see what Mm -hmm. Danny Ings is doing now, just jumping between mid-table teams every season. And Ollie Watkins, he's kind of stayed loyal, but at the same time, mate. Chelsea should get you, United should get you, even Arsenal. Because Arsenal are playing yeah, their man. star striker Jesus on the wing. And you bring in Oli Watkins. Shown that, he, he, he's shown with that cross as well, mate. He's not just forgot. He's yeah. you would think if you saw Oli Watkins, I think he's like six two, six three maybe, scores mm. a lot of goals, you'd think, Oh, he's just a classic striker that just put him in a box and get your goals. But actually, mate, he can play ball as well. Like he can do damage on the ball. Um and yeah, mate, Arsenal yeah, I would love to see it, to be fair. I'd love to see what he would do in these bigger teams. Well, I might say that make a lot of chances. Villa do make a lot of chances. Uno Emery has got them playing really well. But yeah, I would still, I'd still like to see what he could do at a bigger club. And I hope that, obviously, people who listen to this probably know I'm, I'm a Wales fan, I'm not an England fan, but I think Southgate should give him a little go, mate, in these international breaks right now. Kane plays every game for England. You know how good Kane is, but give Watkins a go, man. You need a back- yeah. you always need a backup, especially when it comes to tournament football as well. It's good to have a sub like if Kane isn't being as effective. You know what Kane's like, he's amazing, but he can have games where he doesn't really seem to be in it as much. Um But yeah, Ollie Watkins, mate, that's a hell of a backup for England and seriously good striker. And like you said, Chelsea, maybe Arsenal, maybe United could all be in for him next summer. And if any whoever gets him, mate, if they do go for him, maybe even Brighton, mate. If Brighton, yeah. In fact, if Brighton sell Evan Ferguson for a lot of money, Ollie Watkins is a player they should look at bringing in to replace him because that would that would do them even better, really. Mm. I mean, I really do hope they do because Brighton, we know how they are. They bring in these young talents and then they sell them off. But the way they're playing, they should become a team now. They should become a team, that established team, where they have a team where every sing- every single season they're challenging. I think this is the first season where they're really up there challenging. Um, they were up there a little bit last season, but they weren't obviously amazing. But this season, they're looking amazing. If they carry on like this, they sell Evan Ferguson, they need a good striker. They don't just need a kid again, or Danny Welbeck. Do you know what I mean? Get a good yeah. striker and carry on this like pursuing of Champions League football. Mm. Yeah, I think they got unlucky. I think there's, I think there's like two years in a row, mate, they were in the top four until like literally the last few weeks. I remember United... Mm under Oli nicking Champions League football off them in like the last two or three weeks. I think the season after, basically the same again, they were like third or fourth for ages and then dropped out literally in the last little bit. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the thing with Brighton, to be fair. It's the end of the season because that, that's what it has been in the last few years. It's the last few games that have stunk them out. So we'll have to wait and see for them for how amazing they are now. They have had a tendency to drop off at the end of the season, but especially with European football now as well, it would definitely be interesting to see how they do. So let's just do our predictions uh, for that, that game and then we can move on to our predictions for the next game week as well. Yeah. Um, 
so what I was thinking, so because we're getting into the hour half portion of this podcast, we do the predictions for our teams and then we leave it as a little surprise for next week. Uh, because okay. of course we want to keep the audience engaged and hopefully you guys are engaged now. But there are a few games that I don't really want to, you know, just glide past. There are a few games I want to uh, talk about here. Did anyone actually predict the draw between um, no. Villa and Wolves? No, like, everyone no, everyone went for a pure Villa win. Villa win. Yeah. Everyone went for 3-0, no, 4-1, 2-0. Yeah. It's not really That's surprising same. that. But before we go on to next week's predictions, Ed, do you want to give us a points uh, tally for the prediction game? That we've got running here. I don't really, because it's gone really badly for me. And I've started so strongly and I've really dropped off. But it is tight, to be fair. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you are top now with 24. Uh, Vic is second with 22. Oh, that's uh, close. Spencer is third with 18. And I'm fifth, uh, fourth with 17. So I'm still in the seven points. But yeah, that's not right too bad. Next week. It's catchable well, still, but we don't want to see was, it any bigger. <laughs> I was thinking that Spencer was miles away, and now he's one point above you. So you better not, you better not fumble it next week. Better not bottle it, yeah. <laughs> but and, um, uh, yeah, we so will. Fantasy league as well. You're still yes. top for us. I'm second. Vic third, and Spencer just coming up behind him as well in fourth. Well, you really jumped up there, though. Hi. I think that the last week, Spencer where, had a great week, sixty-seven um, points. Oof. No, the FPL, I'm I'm coming big this week. I can feel it. I'm so glad I didn't triple Captain Son like I talked about on the podcast. I said to you, oh, I don't know, maybe Madison or Son, which one? And I just forgot to do it. So I'm glad because 1-0 and Son got three points. So, yeah, I'm glad I didn't captain, triple Captain him. But uh, we'll move on to just a few games of next week. And what we'll do is so me and Ed are not cheating, which we wouldn't, but we will put them in the group chat and we will look back at them next week. And hopefully, because I said this last week, but hopefully we'll have all four of us for the next week, because it's two weeks away, because we've got international break. So four weeks, uh, sorry, four weeks, two weeks, four people on a podcast. I can, I, I want it, I want it to happen. But there are three games I want to talk about here. Um, okay. The Chelsea-Arsenal game at Stamford Bridge. So, Chelsea are looking a bit better, as we were saying. If Sterling keeps up his form, I can see a 2-0 win. But, that's not a prediction. I'm predicting 1-0 Arsenal. But if Chelsea Chelsea wins 2-0, you know what I mean? I've got something there. But no, I'm I'm predicting predicting 1-0 Arsenal there. Because... I'm just not sure. I just think Arsenal coming coming off the back of a City win, coming off the back of a City win, anyone doing that is 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 big. And coming up against Chelsea, who obviously they've only really beat Luton and Burnley, so I'm gonna back Arsenal in this one nil. I reckon a cheeky little Jesus goal and then Sterling getting upset. But I think yeah, I I don't think I'll expect anything good from Chelsea this game. So one 0 Arsenal is my prediction for that. What do you I'll go, reckon? I'll go two two one Arsenal. Sterling will get a goal and assist, and Arsenal will just be the better team and edge them out two one. Yeah, I can actually imagine that. To be fair, um, 
Vic has said 2-1 Chelsea. Oh, which is finally back in the team. He put it into back in his team, which is good. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I'm lying there. He's, he's, he's back to 1-1. One, one. <laughs> so oh. he's not even back to his team. And Spence has done a 2-1 Arsenal, just like you. So okay. we've got no one back in the Chelsea win, including a Chelsea fan, this which is not a surprise. Like classic. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> right. But um, the next one I want to talk about is City Brighton. That will be closer than I think, just because... Rodri's back, though, yeah? Yeah, Rodri's back, but Brighton, obviously, we know how good they are this season. It's at Etihad. So, I'm going to say... You batter him. I'm going to say 3-0. Again, I always say 3-0 for City, I don't know why. (laughs) But, yeah, I'm going to say 3-0. It'll be a good game, and it'll be tight, 3-0. Yeah, it will. (laughs) It will be tight. I'm going to say 3-1. Free one okay, also. yeah, that no, that I, I think give Brighton a goal. Matoma yeah. will do something. Well, now that now that Rodri's back, I don't think um, they'll score, but it will be a tight game. It will be tighter than um, a lot of people are thinking. But three nil. Vickers also said three nil, and Spencer said two one. So you and Spencer think they're going to score at Etihad? It's yeah, very hard to score. Brighton are good at. Yeah, Brighton are a really good attacking team, though. Like, and, and all yeah. it takes is you being... If you're freeing them up in the 85th minute, you know what I mean? It only takes half a second to switch off a little bit and they'll get a goal. Like, I don't think that's unreasonable. Brighton, mate, it wouldn't surprise me if they gave you a game and you only beat them by a goal. Like, mm. Honestly. They are a good team, Brian. And they do... Yeah. They, but they're a good team, but they still do have a varying level of performance. Like some, some games, they're a good team who are also playing amazing. And other times, they're just a decent team. Like... It does kind of vary depending on how Brighton show up, but don't put it put past Brighton, just get a goal, mate. Maybe two. Yeah. Well, the last game I want to talk about, it's just personal, this. Uh, Brentford-Burnley. Because you have that little smile on your face. For the audio listeners, Ed's smiling right now. I don't know why he's smiling, but we know, we said we said this today, we, I've been saying this for weeks, Burnley have been playing tough teams. So... They're finally playing a team that are not that good in Brentford. I reckon 2-1 Burnley because they need a break away from these losses. And Brentford are a good team to to get a win against, especially for a Burnley. So, yeah, 2-1 Burnley for me. That's what I'm going to go for anyway. Where where is the game? It is at Brentford. It's at Brentford. So I am back in the away team here. Um, no, I wasn't even smiling to laugh at to laugh at Burnley. I was just smiling because I was like, I don't know who's worse. Um, Brentford are really not playing well this season, and Burnley just have proved me right so far. Um, I might just go one-one. I think Burnley. I think Brighton. Um, Brentford are struggling to get the goals that you were getting last season with Tony. Burnley are struggling to score more than a goal in a game if they even get a goal. 1-1. Yeah. I mean, there's always... I think every game week this season, until it's City-Burnley again, I'm going to back Burnley. Um, and I'm still You're top of the point. still winning the game. I'm yeah, still top. I'm going to back Burnley every game. And especially in the next few game weeks, they've got to get a point from it. I just, 
Ah, I don't know, man. It was going to be tough. But, um, yeah, that kind of wraps up. Unless you want to talk about your team against Sheffield. Like, yeah, we'll do my team as well then, just so people can know when I make a horrible, <laughs> um, horrible prediction. Well, Sheffield like, United, it no, it's away. No, it's away. No, I don't know. Sheffield United, Sheffield United, shit. If anything, we'd be better away from home than at home near this season. Yeah. So, <laughs> free, free 1-1 United. I like that. I'm going to go 1-0 Sheffield United. Um... <laughs> Fucking prick. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just the, the, the annoying thing about you doing that the reason that's annoying is not even because you're predicting it because if it fucking happens I'm going to be so I'm going to be sat there going fucking prick has got three points of that as well <laughs> I'm going to be so angry if they get their first win of the season against us mate oh my god can I just say for the audience out there as well it was Ed's idea to do his points thing and I'm using it against him like I'm going for these yeah, teams that I just I just I have a soft spot for and I'm going against the teams I hate. You love Sheffield and it's United. Working. You're a big blades man. <laughs> You're a big blades man. Hey. Now, I've got points of backing United this week. I was the only person to back him, mate. True. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like you're gonna be the you're not gonna be the only one this week because you are playing Sheffield United, who are still to get a win. Terrible. And if they get a win, their first win of the season is against well, you. Oh, man. We know what United are like. We're a bit of a joke. Yeah. We love to it'll be, take, it'll from be the, a take from the rich and give great. to the poor so often. <laughs> it'll be a great episode. I can say that for well, sure. Like me. I think I'll be calling in <laughs> sick for that one. That's no, fine. Um, but yeah. We'll wrap it up there. Yeah. Season three, episode eight. Obviously, had the bonus episode as well. But episode eight, official, completed. Make sure you're listening. Make sure you're liking. I think you can review on Spotify as well. Give us a five star. Follow us on Instagram at Power Pitches. I think there should be a TikTok somewhere that Benji may have potentially set up. Yes, soon. Um, We've got an international <laughs> break. So, yeah. This is the time. <laughs> Sweet. Keep an eye on the developments. Just follow us on socials. And thank you very much for listening once again. Yeah, thank you.